You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. superhero I'm not, but I do have an uncanny ability to find things that no one else can. <laughs> Very true. Um, you know, there's a lot of us who probably don't feel like Supermom. Most of the time we feel like like this. Um, it, this is one of the Instagrams that I follow, and if you want to put it on the screen, screen now, Behind every great mother, or behind every great kid is, is a mom who is pretty sure she's screwing it up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's true. I mean, we feel that way. It's not true in, in, in truth, but it's how we feel sometimes. And, um, I, and, and, and you know, I'll be honest, it, it, I have screwed it up sometimes, but that's where God comes in, and he steps in, and he makes a way. And uh, it keeps us humble, right? So at the 11, or at the 11 o'clock service today, we have our babies getting dedicated. And so because you're not going to be here, I wanted to introduce my family who I mother. These are my daughter and daughter-in-laws and my granddaughter. There's Ella and Stevie and Rebecca and Sarah and Jesse. Those are my two daughter-in-laws and my daughter. And uh, so these are... Uh, the girls, let me show you the boys. Um, so we have uh, Ryan and Ronnie, and then uh, Ronnie's two boys, uh, Jack and Joel, and then Rebecca's little boy, Nehemiah. And so we have lots. Our family has grown. You know, 38 years ago, it was Ron and I, and now look at what, what um, we have to celebrate. So it's a privilege to... Um, be here to share with you on Mother's Day. I want to, again, extend my wish and hope for you that you would feel loved, that you're valued, that you're important. You know, God has placed in women and in moms this unique characteristic to love like only moms and women can do. 
It's true. Not that men don't love. They do love. But women love uniquely. They have been given a gift to care for their children and nurture their children unlike anyone else. I was thinking about this this morning when I was watching or when I was up here for the baby dedication. Women do this. When someone is holding a baby, you naturally sway. You just like, you know, you know what, you know, babies need to be moved. And it's just something that we do because it's in us to take care of them, to love them, to nurture them. And so I want to extend to you a happy, happy Mother's Day. And I hope that you um, really feel valued today. Well, today, what I want to communicate, and I really appreciated Shannon giving an intro to what I was going to share on my title being Knock Knock Who's There is questions. Questions that as a mother, as a mentor, um, and let me introduce myself real quick. I know that most of you know who I am. I'm Ron's wife. And what I do around the church, though, is kind of multifaceted. I have several things that I'm involved in. One of those is I oversee women's ministry. And uh, another major part of what I do is I am the intern director. So I'm really a mom to these college-age students. And that was the mantle that I uh, gladly received. And I walk in. Not only do I mentor and coach, but I also give, I'm that mother to them. And so this is really important to me as I was thinking about what I wanted to share today and how can I do the things that God has called me to do better. I mean, seriously, this has been so burning on my heart in the last few months that to walk into situations, walk into people's lives, and to ask really good questions. Because I have a tendency to make statements, to come in and just tell people what I think they should do, assess the situation, give them an antidote. And the Holy Spirit has really been pressing on me to ask good questions, questions that help them discover who they are, Help them discover what God is doing in their life. To unearth things in their lives that they need to see, that they may not even know that are there. I know that has helped me. When people have asked me questions, good questions, that I have to think about where, you know, what, what's really going on in my heart? What's really happening in my life? And the model that we follow is Jesus. Jesus was a master at asking good questions. He was able to go into relationships, build relationships with his disciples and those people that he loved and cared about, and he asked questions. Not to say that he didn't make statements, because he did, but he was really, really good at asking very good questions. He communicated by asking questions how that they were important These people were important to listen to, to get to know their journey, to understand what they're thinking about. He wanted his audience to uh, know that he cared about how did they really feel? What was really happening in their lives that were broken and needed mending? What were their dreams? What are your desires in your life? You don't know that by just coming in and just saying, this is what I think you need to do. Boom, 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 boom. No, you find out those things by sitting down, walking alongside them, and asking them good questions. 
So in the opening line of um, Hamlet, the most, you know, Shakespeare, one of the most well-known um, literature pieces of all our time, besides God's word, um, the first line of that play, which is a long play, it's over four hours long, is um, Bernardo is asking Francisco a question. That's the first words in the play are question, and the question is, who's there? Who's there? It's a kind of an interesting question because Bernardo was relieving Francisco from his post, and he knew that Francisco was there because he was assigned to relieve him. So it's kind of an interesting question that he would call out who's there because he already knew that Francisco was there. So it's either a brilliant question or the longest and the oldest knock-knock, knock-knock joke. Who's there, <laughs> right? And so, but he asked the question, and I think it's a question that the Holy Spirit has reworded in my life a lot. Who's there? What are you thinking? What's, going around, what's spinning around in your head? What are you thinking about? You know, it wasn't enough that Jesus um, just stepped into the world, became flesh, and lived among us just to tell us what to do. But he came and he demonstrated his care for us by asking questions that brought to light who we are and, and, and where we are. And again, I want to say he was the master at mentoring. He was the greatest coach. I want to model that in him. And I want to model that in my life. I want to see and watch and pay attention to the way Jesus did it. And I want to be more like him. So I realized, though, again, that um, sometimes I rush in and just make statements. But, I, but to be really effective, I need to practice listening. Because if you ask a question, then obviously they need to respond. And so asking is better than talking. Asking and then to listen. Um, listening is better than talking, but asking is better than telling is what I meant to say. So asking more than just telling. Listening more than talking. And when you ask good questions, that's the best, to bring things out. We all have times, though, that we have to get to the heart of the matter. It's like, stop, don't run into the street. Um, you know, those kinds of things. But you can quote me on this one. You can put up another, um, because I said so. That's a quote. You can use that. And so, <laughs> but there's sometimes that, you know, that's necessary. You've already asked questions. You've tried to unearth things. And they're still, you know, it's like, because I said so. Just do it. And, uh, but more often than not, I want to ask good questions and um, be more like Jesus. Uh, and when I do make statements, when I do come in and I just want to say something, I want those things to be affirming. I want them to say things that I want to hear. I want to hear it's going to be okay. When things are really rough and you can see that they're going through a really difficult time in their life and they're struggling, rather than give them an answer to say, you know, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. This will be okay. To say, um, good job. You're doing a really good job. I know it doesn't feel like it, but you're doing a great job. And I see that in you. To tell them that they're loved and that they're valuable. But I have to say, there's times that we ask the proverbial question, why? 
why. When our kids do something or people in our lives do something that is stupid, we, we ask that question, why? Why would you do that? That's even worse than why. Why would you do that? What were you thinking? I like this. It's from Seinfeld. Who told you to do that? I didn't tell you to do that. And <laughs> But we ask those questions, and they really don't get to the heart of the matter. But one, because they're very accusatory, right? Uh, they stop the conversation in its track. But I'm guilty of that. I do that. I say, why? Why would you do that? And then I have to stop and think, and I, you know, it's like, why do I do stupid things? Because I've done stupid things, too. How many times have, have I bought something, I ate something, I said something that I later regret? A lot. I've done that a lot. So they could be asking me the same question. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you say that? Well, honestly, sometimes we don't know right off the bat. But I do know this. It's usually to meet an immediate need in our life. Something that's missing. Something that... That we have an empty place, so we try to fill it with a with a um, with a impulse. We impulsively do something that tries to meet our immediate need. Instead of asking why, Jesus was brilliant at asking questions. It just, in the four Gospels alone, he asked 183 questions. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Out of those 183 questions, he only gave four direct answers. The rest of them, 179, he either told a story, he either did an action, he showed them something, or he asked another question. He asked another question. Isn't that interesting? I mean, talk about learning from the master, right? And the interesting thing is about Jesus is he's omniscient. He knows everything. He already knows all the answers. He knows me. He knows why I'm impulsive. He knows why I do what I do. He knows my heart. And in Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is a God to whom we must explain all that we have done. Well, that's a little scary. I know that. But, um, but if nothing is hid from him and he knows everything, then why do we have to tell him? Then why do we have to tell him if he already knows everything? Because he knows it's good for our soul. He knows that we need to say things that are in our heart. He, needs, he knows that confession is good for our soul. It says in James 5.16, confess one to another to be healed. That's pretty powerful. So he's asking these questions even though he knows everything. And we have to explain things. He wants us to tell him he could, because he wants to heal us. That is a strong statement. I want to confess so that I can be healed. I want to discover what is going to make me a better um, and healthier person, not only for my sake, but for the sake of those people that I live with. So Jesus was excellent at asking all kinds of questions, right? And, And he did it to unfold us. It was like he just did one question after another, and we're going, oh, all right. 
I really see what my problem is, <laughs> or I really see where I'm going with this, or I see where I have misunderstood or um, just need more understanding and to ask for wisdom. So Jesus did that. So there's three questions, though, I want to ask. We're going to ask this morning that Jesus asked, that we're going to look at that Jesus asked that will bring life to us, good questions that will change our life. The first question is, who do you say that I am? Now, this is really a common question. We've heard it a lot, um, especially lately. We've, we've said it. For, I've heard it several times from the pulpit. And, but it's such a great question. Who do you say that I am? In Luke 9, 20, it says, Then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, You are the Messiah sent from God. So nothing, there's not a question, unlike this question, that gets straight to the point that comes to the bottom line, that gets, you know, it's just gets us. Who do you say that I am? Well, his disciples, when asked this question, they were saying, well, some are saying you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're one of the prophets. And Jesus is listening to them. And then he says, who do you say, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, if Jesus were standing right here and he were to ask me, you know, all of a sudden he's here and he said, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? I would probably, honestly, now I wouldn't because I've studied this, but I would probably go into my theology. I would say, I know who you are. You're Jesus. Oh, it's so awesome to meet you. It's so great to see you. I'm so glad you're with me. You're God's son. You were born in a manger. Your mother was Mary. You lived a, a sinless life. You died for me. You rose from the grave, which is all true. It's all true. But Jesus wants to know, who am I to you? Who am I to you? It's a personal question. Who am I to you in the dark when things are really, really difficult? Who am I to you? Who am I to you when everything is great, you know, things are wonderful, the promotions are coming in, the kids are all doing great, I'm fine, thank you. Who am I to you then? Who am I to you? Who am I to you when you can barely breathe because there's grief in your life, there's heartache, there's brokenness, there's heart, your heart is broken. Who am I to you then? Knowing Jesus is different than knowing who Jesus is to you. I've been there over and over. I love the fact, you know, one of the things, I, my most favorite place when we go to Israel is uh, Caesarea Philippi. And it's at that very site that Jesus asked Peter as he's standing by this great big rock that has this pagan temple built in it. All these people are worshiping idols and it's chaotic because they, if they don't sacrifice right, they think they're going to be thrown into the abyss. That's how devious Satan is. And so all this stuff is going on. All these people are there at this, this site. And Jesus and his disciples are there. And he's asking Peter. He's saying, Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because they don't know who I am. 
who do you say that I am? You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. All right, Peter, then build my church. It's so incredible. It's such a one of those aha moments when you're there. And you can experience that aha moment right now when he says to you, who do you say that I am to you? Who am I to you right now? Motherhood is hard. Marriage can be difficult. Life's problems can be overwhelming. Who is Jesus to you? Ron and I have said this many times over the last several months that there's a gift that doesn't sound like a gift, but it is. It's a gift of desperation. Because when you have the gift of desperation, then you fall on your knees, you call out to God, you start to pray, you're in community, you go to church, you do all the things because you're desperate. And it's a gift. To st- and, I, and I pray, I pray for that gift to just keep burning in me. Let me be desperate for you because I need you. As a matter of fact, I have this bracelet that I had inscribed, God, I need you every hour I need you. Because it's so true. I know who he is to me because he's met me in the hardest times. He's, a, he's my God who cares for me. He redeems what is lost. You are a God who rescues. You find the prodigal. You restore. You heal. That is who you are to me, God. Who is he to you right now? You may be sitting there today, um, and especially moms, that you think, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I feel like I do everything on my own. I feel like I just can't hardly go. You know, one day more, I'm just so tired, or things are overwhelming. You might be sitting there today, and you're out of work, and you just need provision. Who, are, who is God to you today? He is your provider. He's your strength. He's your covering. Who is he to you? He is the true and living God who knows you. He knocks on the door. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And we have to stand firm on that truth, hear that question, ponder it, answer it for ourselves, because the next question is, what do you want me to do for you? In Mark 10, 51, it says, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. He is personal to your needs. By asking this question, Jesus wants to unearth something in us. We can't answer this question without exploring our hearts and thinking about what can Jesus do for me? What is in the depths of my soul? What is the Holy Spirit stirring in me that I can say, Jesus, this is what you can do for me? What a great question to add to our personal, relational vocabulary with one another. To say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What, what can I do to help you? As a mentor and a mom and a friend, I need to work on not saying, okay, this is what's happening. I see this in your life, and you need to do A, B, C, and D. I don't have all the answers, so I don't know why I do that so often (laughs) because I really don't even know the equation sometimes. But to go in and say, you know, tell me what's happening, and then to listen 
and to say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Because otherwise, it's just meaningless and unproductive to just go in and give them an answer. Jesus' questions are always life-giving. They always reveal something in us. They dispel fear and dread, and they really give us hope. Don't answer too quickly. What do you really need from Jesus? What are the things that are fractured? What are the things that are confusing to you or complicated? Jesus, I need your help to forgive. I need your help with my insecurities that have stood in my way my whole entire life. I'm sick. I need healing, God. What can Jesus help you with? He doesn't ask this question without the intention to answer you, to answer and help you. This brings us to the last question that Jesus asks that will change our lives. Do you believe... He asked, do you believe I'm able to do this? In Matthew 9, 28, it says this. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? They reply, yes, Lord. They told him, we do. Do we believe? When we ask, because he's asked us, what can I do for you? And when we tell him, do we believe? I want to. (laughs) I want to say yes. I always believe, you know. But there's times that I don't. I struggle and grapple with my faith as much as the rest of you. And, And it's okay. Sometimes we won't believe. We will have to work at our faith. But that doesn't mean Jesus can't do it. There was a time um, when my children were younger, and it's interesting because I've, had to, I've gone back to this over and over and over, which I'm so thankful that it was a time that I can go back and think about what Jesus said to me. But I think all moms can relate to this, but in this case, I was just so overwhelmed with fear, for, and this is when my kids were younger. I was so overwhelmed with fear. I, it really detoured my life. It crippled me. Um, if you didn't hear last week's message and Ron's story about the dog, that is worth listening to the podcast. It's good. That's the way I was. I was so um, overwhelmed with fear. It would keep me up at night. It was consuming. I was mothering out of that motivation. It was just not a healthy place, and Jesus knew that. And he asked me a question. And when I say that, he asked me a question, and I heard And it was a very strong thought in my head, and I knew it was Jesus speaking to me. And he said this, do you believe that I'm going to take care of your kids? And I said to him, because I was honest, and it was in the middle of the night, and I'd been up worrying, and I said, no, Jesus, I don't. I don't trust you with my children. I need to be there. If something happens to me, They won't be able to live without me. So I confess, I don't trust you. But I knew that was a switch in my heart. It was a switch in my soul. I had to, now I knew. I wasn't even sure why I was so afraid. But then Jesus asked this question and began to make me look and discover where 
my fault was, where this was coming from, it was I didn't trust Jesus with my children. And so I began to really explore that and think about it. God, I want to trust you. Help me. Help me to trust you. And so time, a few weeks went by, and I was going to be going somewhere on a trip, and that was kind of what triggered all this. And I was getting ready that morning, and I was, okay, Lord, I'm really trying to trust you. And he spoke again to me, and it was so strong. And he said, I'm going to take care of your kids, whether you believe me or not. (laughs) So you might as well believe it and receive the benefits of faith. Okay, what are the benefits of faith? Well, let me tell you just a few of them. They're peace of mind. (laughs) It's rest. It's joy. I had been missing joy in my life. Receive the benefits of faith. Those are just a few of them. We'll grapple with our fear. We'll fight. um, And we'll have to work out our faith. We will need to remember who Jesus is. We need to remember what he said he would do for us. And what he will do for us. This very, and we have to, we have to grab onto that because as, as long as we're talking about questions, I want to share with you the very first question that's in the Bible. It's in Genesis, and it's not a question asked by man, and it's not a question asked by God. It's, a, it's the question asked by Satan. It's in Genesis 3.1. And it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That first question casts doubt on who God is in your life. Did God really say, did God really say that to you? Doubt. What God has spoken to you in the light, don't doubt him in the dark. Satan is crafty and conniving. Jesus' questions bring life. They bring freedom. Satan's brings death. It brings fear. It brings doubt. Now, we know the story, right? Because they bought it. They bought the lie. (laughs) And we buy the lie sometimes, too. So Adam and Eve, you know, they eat the fruit. The whole thing happens. They feel shame. They, you know, there's all these things that come into their heart because that's all these awful, yucky things that Satan throws at us when we listen to him. But then the next question, there's a, the first question that God speaks in the Bible is just a few verses later in Genesis 3, 9. He says, God calls out, where are you? He wants to know where we're at. He wants to know where we're at with our fears. He wants to know where we're at with our doubts. He wants to know where we're at with our shame. He's not afraid of that. He comes after them, and he says, where are you? Because I want to have a relationship with you. That's how Jesus and God He fills our life with questions that bring life. Can you believe Jesus can do it? You bet he can. And if you, just like the man in Mark chapter 9, 
the father who says, help me where I don't believe because there's times, and that's a great, great thing to ask. Help me. Would you help me where I don't believe? Okay, so then there's three questions that we can ask Jesus, and I want to conclude with this. So the first one is, what must I do to be saved? In Acts 16.30, it says this, Then he brought them out, and it was Paul and Silas, brought them out, and the jailer, well, the jailer brought Paul and Silas out, and um, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, our salvation is secure, and Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's it. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's simple. He is inviting us. He wants us to be saved, so there's not a lot of hoops to jump through. You believe and you will be saved that he is the son of God, that he has died for you and he has um, come back to life. He is our savior. Believe that and you will be saved. So salvation is secure. You don't have to keep asking for it. It is yours. When you've made that decision, salvation is yours. When we've confessed to him, he is, he's more, he's, he's running to us as faster than we can run to him. But I know that in my life, this question needs to be asked about other things. What must I do to be saved from my pride? (laughs) What must I do to be saved from my insecurities, my fear, my bitterness? What can I do to be saved from the things that just keep tripping me up. It doesn't mean that I'm not saved. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love me. It's contrary to that. But we recognize that there's things that we keep dealing with. And so it's a good question to ask. What must I do to be saved from these kinds of things that are tripping me up? To confess it. To name it. What, what, what do I need to do, God, to be saved from this repeated anger or this fear that I live with what and the Holy Spirit's going to come in this is where you listen you've asked the question now listen because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you to be in community to go to his word to just understand what what the answer is to that you will find it he's faithful to answer us The second question is that we can ask, is there anything about Jesus and his teachings that offend me? John 6, 61, um, that whole passage there, he's giving, you know, the teaching. He's sharing with his disciples. And he gets to the end and he says this. uh, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? There were so many opinions, even among the disciples. You know, well, is this, is this possible? Does he really expect this? And Jesus says, does this offend you? We need to ask that question because we have so many opinions of what we think is right, what we think is wrong. And we need to ask this question and ask if I'm offended by the teachings of Jesus. Is, am I offended because of what it says, or, or am I honest enough to say I don't fully understand the heart and the ways of Jesus? I would say yes. 
If I'm offended by Jesus, then I'm not fully understanding the nature, the heart, the person of Jesus. Will I ever understand all that Jesus has said and what his word speaks to us? No, I probably will never understand it all. Will I trust Jesus anyway? I hope I say yes all the time to that. We are confronted, and not unlike past generations, but with, we're confronted with social dilemmas, you know, especially right now with all the political things going on, and what's right, what's wrong? Um, do I believe in what I believe in because it's what I think is right or wrong, or do I believe in God's word and believing that Jesus' heart is completely for us because he loves us? Do I believe that the teachings of Jesus are true and relevant today? Yes, I want to believe that. And if I'm offended, am I offended by his teaching because I haven't totally understand, stood it and I have interpreted his word incorrectly? Jesus asked this question to his disciples to highlight misunderstandings in their life. They needed to know who he is. We need to know who he is, and we won't be offended when we read the word and say, well, this is what I feel. This is what I think is right. Gosh, why can't we just get over this? What values have I placed higher than God's word? I want to know Jesus more and more. I want to know his word more and more. I can trust him. And when he gives us guidelines and boundaries and the commandments, then we can say he knows us and he knows what is best for us. He does it because of his great love for us. Jesus loved. He loves everyone, regardless of their state of heart. And he's asking us to believe his word and love him back. In 1 Peter 2.16, it says, Treat everyone with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. We may be offended by a lot of things, but we need to understand the heart of Jesus. Last question. How was God present with me today? In Luke 24.32, it says, they, they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked with him on the road? And, ex- and he explained the scriptures to us. Spending time with God makes a difference in your life. It makes a huge difference in my life. Most days, if someone were to ask me, what did you do today? I would have to stop and I'd have to think because there's just so much going on in our lives that I wouldn't be able to just recall because it's just jam-packed. We live at warp speed. I'm too busy And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this. And women especially are masters at multitasking. But deep relationships do not grow in warped speed. We need to slow down. We need to be quiet. We need to reflect. In order for me to grow in a deep relationship with Jesus, I need to stop. This is exactly what was happening with the disciples. They were reflecting. They were reflecting about the time they spent with Jesus. Didn't our hearts burn within us 
as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? This is such a great question to ask ourselves on a regular basis. Have I spent time in Jesus' presence today? Did I slow down? Did I reflect? Did I just sit quietly to listen, to hear? Moms, do yourself a favor. Slow down. Take some time for yourself. Reflect. Be refreshed in his presence. I know that's easier said than done, but I'll tell you, you will just find that God will just give you that capacity and that time when you desire to do that, and you'll see how that will fit into your days. So I want to pray for you this morning, and uh, just, again, want to encourage you in building relationships to ask good questions. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you that you loved us enough to take time to ask us questions to discover who we are and we could discover who we are so that we understand how much we need you. Jesus, thank you. You are good, and you're good all the time. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.